comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness? The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, St. Stephen's and the Incarnation Church. It is so good to be here. My name is Marianne, and I am privileged to serve as your bishop and um, to be in your neighborhood and today to be with you, you faithful ones. And if you happen, like me, to be visiting today, let me say on behalf of the congregation how grateful we are that you are here. And I look forward to greeting you all personally as the day unfolds. It's such a gift and a relief, actually, to be here with all that's swirling around and within us now. We are so blessed to come, enter into this gracious space and into an alternative narrative, one of hope and grace and good news, good news. You may have noticed, if you were catching the footnote of your gospel text that Susan just uh, that read that uh, the text today is the opening chapter and verse of the gospel of Mark. Of course, four such texts in the, the Christian scriptures that tell us of the life of Jesus and all proclaiming that life to be good news. That's what gospel means. So in these days leading up to Christmas, the night when we celebrate good news of great joy, the coming of Christ into our world, God breaking forth into our lives, taking up residence, making startling pronouncements, offering visions for a better day, I would encourage you, it doesn't take much time, to open up your Bibles at home and to read the beginnings of each of those four accounts. Just read the beginnings, all the way up to the part that you heard Susan read today. Because an interesting question for those telling the story of Jesus and for those of us seeking to live good news an interesting question is, exactly when does that good news begin? Where is the story's beginning? Your senior priest, Sam, told me of your Jesse tree here in your sanctuary. Jesse tree as portrayed in Christian literature and art traces Jesus's genealogy. And two of those gospel accounts actually have genealogies of Jesus, his family tree, as if to remind us all that whenever good news begins, it's connected to something that went on before. 
which is to say Jesus didn't show up in a spiritual vacuum. No manifestation of goodness and love, compassion and justice, healing and mercy simply drops out of the sky. There's always an antecedent. There's always a precursor, a cultivator, those who foreshadow and prepare the way. And that person, whoever he was, presumably his name was Mark, had his answer for where the good news begins. It was really clear. Good news begins in wilderness. Wilderness is an actual place, and it's a symbol for a certain emotional and spiritual terrain. Um, actual and symbolic, it's typically a, a rather lean place, can be harsh, it's often lonely, right on the borders, beyond the borders of human community. In the wilderness, both natural and spiritual, there are forces that are stronger than we are, which is to say we are decidedly not in control, and we don't know for certain how long we'll be there. There's a bit of danger in the wilderness, sometimes quite a lot, but there's also typically and consistently experiences of grace that come to us there for which we are profoundly grateful, like a cool glass of water when we're really thirsty. But we also know the cost of that grace, which is the context in which we receive it. So like you who are putting your signs of hope on your Jesse tree, I have been spending these weeks coming before Christmas on the hunt for good news and inspiration because I am determined not to give up hope, no matter what. I want to be like the Rwandan peacekeeper who insisted on returning back to his country at the height of the genocide, who when asked why he would do such an audacious thing replied, I'm a Christian and for Christians, Hopelessness is not an option. I want to be always on the hunt, on the watch, waiting for hope, for good news in the wilderness. So I've got quite a list now, actually. Once you start looking for things, it's amazing how you find them. And nearly all the examples I have of good news in the wilderness, the ones that I've experienced concretely and manifestly and that I write in my journal giving thanks for each night, they almost always center around a person or persons and their hopeful, gritty response to adversity or challenge, injustice or pain. This is one example. Yesterday, my husband and I stopped by to say hello to a neighbor who's recovering from a bout of pneumonia. And he'd been living with it, unbeknownst to him, for over a month, not knowing 
what was slowly draining him of his strength and shortening his breath. And one morning, he said he woke with an excruciating pain in his chest. And he wound up in the hospital for over a week. And he told us all about it, speaking really quickly about all the things he had been through. And then he stopped. And he shifted. His tone shifted. His countenance changed. And he began to speak of all the things that had happened in that time for which he was profoundly grateful. And when we ended our time with prayer, he, he prayed to God prayers of gratitude and resolved to be a better person because of what had happened to him in his wilderness. So let me share with you a few of the themes I've observed in my encounters with this good news and hope that they might be a bit of help to you if you're in a wilderness now or walking with another through theirs or as we all struggle how to discern, how to live in the wilderness of our time. State the obvious again that the wilderness is not, shall we say, pleasant. And it's a hard place that most of us do not choose but rather find ourselves or are driven to, as Jesus was after his baptism. Some, though, freely choose to enter the wilderness, typically to be present with those who are caught there and to do what they can to help get them out. And the first thing I've noticed about those who embody good news in the wilderness, those who carry them within them that hopefulness, the first thing I notice about them is that they have fully accepted the fact that they are there. There's a matter-of-factness about them and an acceptance of the wilderness for what it is, even if they hate it, right? They've let go somehow of their rage against the universe or God or some other human being for putting them there. Not because they're happy about it, but because it, seem, it seems like they've decided not to waste one more ounce of their creative energy railing against the fact that the wilderness exists and that they're in it. And instead, they set about themselves to figure out what they can do and what they can learn and how to position themselves by asking the question, where is God? Where is God here? And how am I to live? Like Eddie Hillison, that young Jewish woman who kept a diary throughout the rise of Hitler and her captivity in a concentration camp, she wrote, there must be someone to live through this and bear witness to the fact that God lived in these times. Another characteristic I've noticed in people who embody this good news in the wilderness, they're able to speak the hardest truths in ways that people can actually hear which amazes me. It's not that difficult to speak hard truths in ways that solidify prejudice 
and entrench us in our polarizations and make other people angry, that's actually pretty easy to do. But to speak a truth that others can hear, that has the power to change the world. Many of you, I know, like me, are inspired by the work of Brian Stevenson. He's the one who comes to mind most powerfully in our time for me. He's the founder and executive director of something called the Equal Justice Initiative, tireless advocate for the criminal justice system to be reformed, for overturning the death penalty, having hard conversations about race in this country, all those tough topics. But when he talks, even people who are on the other side of every spectrum you could think of lean in to hear him, draw close to him. They can hear what he has to say. John, the baptizer, apparently had the same capacity, although he wasn't, by the evidence, a um, smooth talker. He was as blunt and obnoxious a preacher as they come, but there was something about the way he spoke that prompted people to flock to him, right? They wanted to be in that orbit. That, that's good news in the wilderness. And to a person, those who embody this good news have tapped into something, a source that sustains them, and a future hope from which they live, even if that hope is so far in the future that they're not going to see it on, on this, in this life. But nonetheless, they've determined to do their part to get us all there. I may not get there with you. Remember Dr. King saying that? I may not get there, but I've seen it. And I promise you, as a people, we will get to that promised land. And he did everything in his power to help get us there. Now, I, I share this with you not only for the inspiration that these people have, can give us, but because, of, because through them and their example and their presence, through them, God's speaking to us. God is speaking. God is coming. God is breaking through, encouraging you and me to keep going, keep looking, keep believing that the way things are is not the way things will always be. Keep following whatever bits of light and goodness you and I are given. And then there is the most astonishing thing of all. And this, this happens that in your darkest hour and mine, in your most uncertain, emptiest, dissatisfied moments and mine, someone else may experience through you or through me good news in their wilderness. It happens. It happens. And when it happens to me, I feel the power of God 
in a completely different way. Because then I know it's, it's not about me at all, but the power of God coming and working even through me and through you in our weakest places, in the wilderness of our lives, God comes, Jesus abides, and light shines. The truth is we don't know what the future holds in our immediate life. We don't know where we are in the long arc of history that's bigger than all of us, any more than Eddie Hillisum knew or Dr. King knew when he lived or all those who went before us, those on our tree and those on Jesus' tree. But Jesus comes so that we might live in ultimate hope. And in the meantime, while we wait for the true consummation of all that is good, that bits of goodness will come into our wilderness time and again, giving us just enough hope and light and love to take our next faithful step. Will you pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks for good news that comes to us in wilderness. Giving special thanks for those who embody that goodness in their lives. And we open ourselves to be carriers of that goodness as well. Giving thanks for the ways that you come and the ways that you take up residence in us and through us. As we prepare to celebrate the good news of great joy that is ours in Jesus, help us to remember that it is all around us and in us. Bits of good news breaking forth and allowing us to live in hope. For all these things, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.